episode 34, Operator Syndrome. I'm still flying solo. I'm actually recording these back-to-back. You'll get them separated by a week. Sorry about that. Um, But uh, don't have Steve. He should be back in the next one. Uh, And I am just going to wrap up uh, my tall tales of a... uh, of a particular mission that I went on back in 2007. Um, I'll do my usual disclaimer for those that may not have heard in the first one. It's just good practice. I'm doing the best I can to recall these details as I can remember them. Um, If there are things I'm unsure of, I'll call it out. I'll call it out for you. Um, One thing that I'd thought about during my break um, before the second segment um, is just to illustrate again, because the, uh, the air crew, the aviators, will always try to play it down. It was just a hard landing. It happens all the time. I want to, I want to demonstrate how vigorous of a hard landing that was. So as I'm sitting there on a knee, is at the very, very beginning. You're going to have to watch episode 33 if this doesn't make any sense to you. Um, but I'm sitting there on a knee in the bird, and uh, I've got my rifle on me, right? And I've got a standard two-point sling, and uh, I'm left-eye dominant, so I shoot uh, rifle left, and I shoot pistol right, but that's another story. So I got my rifle, my sling goes from my buttstock up over my left shoulder, back around my back. So the force of that hard landing um, was such that um, I think I must have had my rifle up some but the force of that whipped my rifle around and my sling up against my uniform. The friction was so intense it actually cut through all the layers to get down to bare skin. At the time, I was wearing, um, I was wearing uh, an undershirt. I was wearing, an, what was I wearing? I was wearing like a long sleeve undershirt and I was wearing, it was called PCU. I can't remember what that's called. P is probably protective. PCU, protective cold weather. It was just, it was like this um, grayish cool guy jacket that we got issued. I, I don't know what it was, but it cut through that. It was like the soft shell version. Um, it cut through that, cut through that layer to get the bare skin. It wasn't that big of a deal, but but just in that moment, remember I told you it was instantaneous that I was that everyone was knocked onto, knocked out onto our backs. And so, I mean, that's gotta be pretty intense, right? So when I left, when I last left off, okay, yeah. So the story is we land, do a hard landing. Some folks get hurt. We chase bad guys up and down some mountains all night. Um, getting tired, we're getting tired, drinking all our water. Um, catch the guy in the morning. Decide, hey, we need somewhere to chill out until it gets dark again, so the helicopters can come and pick us up pick this fantastic, beautiful piece of property uh, in a uh, Afghan valley. Um, and we're walking up to it at this point. So, um, <laughs> and there had been signs for anyone who'd spent some time in Afghanistan. They're probably yelling at the screen or at their phone like, hey, don't you see what's about to happen? We didn't. We didn't see it. It was still early on in our deployment. Um, you know, we were used to raiding. That's what we did. Um, and so, 
sort of old school, you know, infantry movement during the day. You know, we knew by the book we were doing the right things. We look, you know, as a formation, we looked fantastic, right? You got everyone's wedged out on each other. Everyone's spread out the proper distance um, because it's daytime. Everyone's doing what they can, but we're walking into a valley. Uh, I should note that there weren't any other compounds anywhere around. So the choice would have been stay up on the ridge, set up a, pat- a patrol base there at the top of the ridge and just, you know, eat the sun all day and then be stuck out there if if someone decided to attack or go into that compound. So it's easy to judge in retrospect. But that at the time, that that's what that's the call that was made. And so that's what we did. So we walk, we're walking in and it's, by the way, it's getting warmer. It was cold. It was chilly during the night, but it's getting warmer and we're feeling it. Those of us who are wearing like PCUs, long sleeves, that type of stuff. So walking into the mouth of the valley, first squad in the formation, detain someone. They're talking to them, trying to figure out why are you waving us down? What is it? What do you want? What's the deal? Um, don't know what's going on with that. Cause we're, my squad is then in the lead. And we're pushing towards this compound. So if you're me, you know, you're standing there. I've got this low stone wall, maybe waist high stone wall kind of squares off. You've got not quite a football field in front of you, but a decent patch. It's an orchard. I've always said it was apricot trees. I didn't do any research in this short break I had between the first segment and this. So I don't know. The trees were, you know, if I make a fist, the the um, trunk, the, the trunk of those trees are maybe a fist. The branches are maybe like finger width, and they've got leaves on them. They do have leaves on them. Um, I think something's growing on them. Don't remember that part. So that's what I'm looking at. Um, the The bottom of the canopy is maybe about head high. Maybe somewhere in there. So just to set the scene. And so then you've got this this orchard in front of us. And then at the end of it, kind of off to the right-hand side, as I'm looking down this valley, is this compound. A decent-sized compound. High mud walls. We can see an entrance. No gate. I don't think there's a gate. I don't remember one. Um, but it's down and off to the right. And how far it is. Couldn't tell you. I can't remember. It'll feel like a long time, and you'll know why in a second. So, first team goes across that wall. I see the wall. I slide over it. I slide over the wall with one foot. I just get my second foot over the wall, and I'm I'm starting to walk in towards the orchard when I hear a sound. I hear a sound, and it sounds like a rocket. But I don't know it's a rocket. I just hear a sound. And I turn over my left shoulder and I hear the I hear the rocket. I hear a detonation. And by the time I'm looking over my shoulder, I don't see where it's detonated, but my eye is drawn to the column of I should talk into the microphone. Um, my, my, my eyes are drawn to this column of black, gray smoke, just a single column. And I was just like, huh? 
<laughs> it's like, huh? It's dead quiet. Like time stopped. Animals stopped. Everything stopped. Like it's just like turn around. What? And and something catches my eye. So I'm just I'm only looking over my shoulder, and then something catches my eye, like right where my head is pointed. So my eyes are looking back behind me, but my head is pointed to the left, and something catches my eye. And what's catching my eye is our battalion sergeant major. I could probably he's retired. I could probably say his name. I don't want to name drop here, but I think I'm pretty sure he he is retired. He's a legend. It's uh Command Sergeant Major Rick Merritt. He's accompanying our 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 uh, our raid that night. I see him. I see him just sprinting. He's just sprinting forward towards the orchard, towards that direction. And as I'm seeing him sprint, and that and that reg that I'm very confused in this moment. Just as I'm telling this story, see the column of smoke. I don't quite register what that was. And I see him sprinting, and I know that's also odd because he's not a young guy. Not, not, he's he's not, not even back in 2007. No offense, Sergeant Major. Um, but he's, he's not a young guy. Very fit. Don't, don't mistake what I'm saying. But, but he is hauling, and he's moving. And I'm like, whoa. And I see him. And he's coming into my field of vision and going forward. My, eye, I'm, my eyes are brought back into the orchard. And I notice that all of a sudden, all the leaves, the, the trees are all like vibrating. The trees are all vibrating and they're shaking and all like the leaves are falling down. They're like, they're like gently falling down. Almost like if every tree had like, a kid holding on to it, shaking it like leaves were falling off, falling down. I'm still confused. This is all, this is all a second, less than a second. Boom. Turn around looking. Trees are vibrating. Leaves are falling. And I'm watching the leaves fall and I watch them head towards the ground. And then I notice that the ground is churning everywhere everywhere the ground is churning and roiling like 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 bugs are coming out of it like the ground is alive and then it starts and, and then what what brings me to which snaps me back into reality is every every so often tracers are zipping into the ground. I'm not I'm not intending to pause for dramatic effect. I just I just forgot what that felt like. So, so it's intense. So we got ambushed. We're sitting there in the stupid valley. 
on foot, no cover, no real, well, I guess technically we kind of have cover. We got this orchard, we got these leaves. Um, two thirds of the formation is out in the open behind us. There's nothing out there. I told you, it's just rocks, boulders. Um, the fact that they initiated their ambush with, um, this was an RPG. I, I don't know. I don't know what it was. Some kind of rocket, something. Probably RPG. It was just one, I think, at least. If they were firing rockets after that, they didn't waste it on the guys towards the front of the formation. And I remember, I don't remember any stories saying otherwise. But they initiated with an RPG, and then they let loose with what they had in small arms. And so we're out in the open, just eating machine gun rounds. Um, it was intense. I mean, we were... Well, I guess I'll keep telling the story. So, so yeah, I, I I come to not come to again. This is this is like a second. It's hard to describe all the details that you can remember about you know moments like that. But I, I come to because I realize it's it's small arms fire that's absolutely everywhere coming through the orchard. And it's everywhere. I, I can't describe. When I say everywhere, it's everywhere. And uh, and every once in a while, you see a tracer zip through into the ground. I'm like, who? <laughs> and so I do what I what I'm trained to do, which is to to you know what I could tell in that moment is it was coming from the left side. So so actually so. The ridge line that we had just come off of, I guess at this point is directly behind us, but it was connected to this this high ground to our left. So if the if whoever was up there was coming along and back around, we would have been on the same ridge line. But um, so it's coming from the left, I know that. I run up, I get behind <laughs> I get behind all that I have, which is like this little tree. I'm going to say apricot tree because it's what I've been saying for years. But it's just this little tree, and, uh, and then I, 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 face towards, I face towards where the fire is coming from. Um, I'm, I know that it's coming from, so now I'm facing what was my left. I'm facing this hill. I've got, I'm in the orchard. So, you know, most of this hill is covered up, is covered up by these leaves um, where the fire is coming down, and it's still coming down. And so I can't see, I could see the base, I could see the base of the hill. Um, but the first thing I do is I, I return fire. I return fire in it. And if you've been in Afghanistan, you know what this is like. You're like, okay, I know it's that hill. I, I don't see specifically where, but I know it's that hill. And I'm not going to, I'm not just going to let them get away with shooting at me. So now I'm pumping some rifle rounds into this into this hill that I, I I don't see anybody I I can only I'm in their impact area but I can't see them um, but I'm not gonna not shoot because um, that's what you're supposed to do so I'm shoot I'm shooting and like I said um, 
So Sergeant Major, he's he's bounding forward, and I look and I can see, and I don't know how he got that far off to the left, um, but I can see the uh, the other team leader in my squad. He's out there. And he's in the prone. And he's got this look on his face. <laughs> he's got this look on his face. He's like, uh. and um, and now I'm starting to get my 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 bearings, and I'm looking. And I can see the rest of our squad returning fire and then bounding back to something. They're, they're bounding back. They're, they're making a deliberate movement. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Let's do that. <laughs> Let's do that. But the other team leaders even further back from me. So we're all calm. We're like, get back here. Get back here. Come to us. And so he comes back towards us. He bounds past me back to wherever everyone's bounding. And uh, it looks like everyone else has set, and, and it, the, it's still coming now, and it's everywhere. Um, it, it's coming down everywhere, and that's just an interesting feeling um, because I know I can't just stay where I am because the odds are where I'm laying in the prone right now could be the impact area for one of these mysterious rounds coming from a mountain so i've got to move and it's it's an interesting feeling when you got to stand up and run in something like that that's a unique feeling um but i remember i remember that other team there comes past me everyone else is bounded i can see that they're in a line they're lined up and they're laying down in the prone, so they've got something better than what I'm in, what I'm in right now. And they're now they're yelling at me, "Hey, come back to us, come back to us." And I remember saying, "I remember saying, all right, I'm coming up." And they're firing, they're firing, they're returning fire. I don't know if they can see any better than I can, but I think we're all in the in agreement that we're not going to let this go unanswered. So they're like, "Come back, come back." I I stand up. And as I'm running back, they're firing, you know, past me back at this mountain. And, uh, and so I bounce, so I bound back, back to where they are. And I am, we're in this ditch. It's like an irrigation ditch. So you've got the orchard and then off to the right hand side. And there's no more orchard after that now. So it's, it's orchard irrigation ditch. And I'm pretty sure there might have that wall might have been off to the right hand side and then it's clear up to the mountain. But we're taking all the fire from from what was the left as you're looking down the valley. So everyone's in a ditch. The ditch is like a foot deep, maybe. So if you're if you're laying in the prone, if you're laying on your stomach, if you're laying on your stomach and you pick your head up, your head is outside of this ditch. Um, and in terms of width, it's about body width. Like a, like a standard ranger's body width. So I run, I tumble into the tumble into the ditch, and I have a completely different feeling now because now I'm in a line with our guys and and I, I don't know if I was scared. I don't know if I was scared at first. I, I, that first piece, I was so confused. My mind was just trying to wrap around what this reality was. I, I don't know that I was scared. I, 
the closest thing to what I would call scare. And I will feel scared. So don't worry about that. That's not what this is about. I will feel the, I will feel the fear. But at the, at the, the closest I'd get to in this first part is when I had to stand up and run back through, run through to get to where the rest of the squad was. So, but I get there and now all the boys are there and they're returning fire. And that's like instant motivation, instant, like, hey, we're, hey, I'm with them. We're together. We're all together. And I, and we're, we're laying in the prone. We're firing that way. I look behind me. I got my guys. I look forward. The other team's there. Like, we're all together. And then we're shooting some. Um, and again, still rounds are impacting everywhere. And then, then the train starts to leave the station and then we're, we're crawling towards, we're crawling towards the compound, but now we're in this irrigation ditch. Um, so we're continuing to make that move. Um, something I didn't see, but I want to call out in this moment is, um, we had a gun team with Mark 48, you know, everyone else is rocking M4s. Five, five, six. We're shooting at this hill. You know, I we're not really. We don't have the distance. It's not necessarily made for that. Seven, six, two is going to be our best bet, especially the Mark Forty Eight. We had a gun team. Courageously, you know, they did the right thing. They did what they had to do. They uh, placed themselves in a position where they could provide cover for the formation, and they did work. And uh, you know, fast forwarding. They were ultimately, not that that's what it's about, but they were awarded valorous awards for for their actions that day. Um, the gun team leader was Adam Bott, who'd go, would pass, you know, a year later, something like that, a year or two later. And uh, his gunner was a good guy too, but he's around. So, so we're in this ditch. We're moving forward. Now we're starting to crawl. We're starting to low crawl. Starting to not low crawl, high crawl, I guess it is technically. So we're getting shot at. I think by now, I no order was given, but you know, it's like, okay, shooting is a little useless at this point. We can't see them. We've got cover. We need to move. I think that's essentially what the vibe that passed through our squad. So we're heading off down towards the, the compound. And we're high crawling. And there's a moment where you know, the next person in front of me is Andrew Rodriguez. And we're maybe three feet apart. And we're, we're, we're low crawling. And, and the, the rounds are everywhere still. A tracer comes zooming in right in between his feet and my head and hits right into the ditch we're in. And he turns around and he says, like, he was like, yo, that was close. And we laugh. We laugh about, I don't know why we laugh, but it felt right at the time. And, uh, and then we keep going. We keep, we're low crawling, low crawling, or high crawling through this ditch. And uh, at a certain point, the ditch runs out. The ditch doesn't go all the way up to the compound. And it's a long ditch. It, this is a it's a long ditch if if 
from where from where the ambush was initiated to where the compound was that probably would have been like i don't know a five minute walk let's say if i could walk like a normal human being but high crawling five minutes and it felt it felt like a lifetime we were probably also moving a lot faster than i give myself credit for another as an aside another reason why you need to be fit you got to be fit to do these jobs you know remember awake all day no water we've long since run out of water right um climbing up and down mountains and now and that's when you get ambushed that's when it happens that's why we that's why the training is the way it is anyways the irrigation ditch runs out before long pretty far before it gets to the compound um this is now we're talking <laughs> now we're talking to each other so the squad leaders talking to the team leaders are like hey we need to get in there we need to make a break for it um i don't really remember the order but i remember looking up and being like whoa that is a far sprint in the open to get into that compound And I don't remember the order of who went first. What I do remember is when it was our time to go, I think the first team may have covered for our team. They would do that. They would make us go first. I think they, I did think they did, they did covering fire for us, whatever that was. Used. Oh, one thing I got to say is, before we leave this ditch. Um, not too long after I make it into the ditch, um, A-10s roll in. And we've got a JTAC with us. A-10s roll in. And see, I don't remember if they dropped ordnance on the first one or if they did their main gun. Um, I think they did. I don't know what they did, but they did something. And it felt like, it, it felt like they showed up really fast. So, so I'm in the ditch. We go... A-10 show up, drop something, we cheer because infantrymen always cheer no matter the circumstance for the A-10 runs. Um, that's a good morale boost too. Um, but then after that, the, the rest of the time, the A-10s came in really low, uh, really low and over over this ridge line, and they were um, doing um, dropping flares. So they call it a show of force. Um, I suspect that if they had more ordnance to drop, they would have. So I don't know if they had been engaged elsewhere and then came on station for us and did the best they could. Um, but it was very quickly that, that they didn't have anything to drop or shoot. It seemed like to me, I, I think they got maybe one pass in. And then after that, they were just like going, going fast and low over the heads of whoever was shooting at us to, to keep them down. So I had to take that second to stop and shout out the A-10s. Um, so I'm back in the ditch, and we got to make a break for this compound. So, um, so I need to go. I get up. They cover. I get up. And, and in my head, if you listen to any of the earlier episodes of this you know that like movies were a big part of why i got into the military my father was in the military but movies were especially a big deal 
Saving Private Ryan was one of the big ones. And I remember a scene in the movie where there's a scene in the movie where Tom Hanks is leading an assault on this machine gun nest at this like radar site. And he does like this zigzag. He does like this zigzag run. And I'm in this ditch. And they say, they say, hey, go. Here's your chance. Go. And then I get up and I think of Tom Hanks. And instead of making a beeline for the compound entrance, I zigzag. I I feel like I remember. I don't know if the zigzag worked. I'm not making the case for the zigzag. They don't teach the zigzag. I did the zigzag and I'm alive. That's all I'm saying. That's, that's all I'm saying. Um, I do the zigzag. I, I, I believe that I, uh, you know, that caught some attention. And I, I believe that I remember rounds impacting someone taking, taking a shot at me, taking a shot for the, of the, for the title. But anyways, I zigzag. I cross the threshold into the compound, get around thick mud walls, tall mud walls. Thank God. I get in there and my legs just turn to jelly and I collapse onto my knees. And right behind me piling in is, is the rest of the squad and other people. They're just materialized all around me. And, uh, and so like I'm on my knees and hooray, we're in the compound, right? We're saved. No, because now I'm in a compound and I'm looking at, I'm looking at like, 12 doors, 15 windows, you know, and right in the center of this compound, there's like some sort of agricultural shed. There's some donkeys tied up, like all these threats in this compound. And so Sergeant Major, eventually I'm able to stand up and um, the Sergeant Major is like, hey, we need to clear, we need to start clearing this. For the rest, for for the rest of the guys coming in, we're like, all right. And my team stacks up on, and he's the one that he's the one that makes that call. He's the one that's clear headed, and he says, "Hey, when you start clearing this stuff, he stacks up on the first door." My team gets in behind him, and like a good sergeant major should, he says, "Hey, who's the team leader? Hey, where's the team leader?" I go, "Right here, sergeant major." He says, "All right, get in there." <laughs> And which is exactly, which is exactly what he should do and exactly where I should have been. And so I'm like, and, and that's always good for, you know, a, a knees weak infantryman to have the Sergeant major say, Hey, go do your job. So boom. All right. I'm back. Time to get to work. So go into the first room and then we just start clearing. You just start clearing nothing in there. And, um, and as we're clearing this compound, everyone's piling in the the whole formation the strike force is piling into this one compound and uh by the time we get to the end clearing totally totally tired uh we're all intermixed it's fine it's not that big of a deal but we're in there uh we've strong we've done strong points where we can we've got our machine guns set up um but we're all in the compound relatively safe it's pretty wild um, 
the looks on everyone's faces, you know, it was, everyone was pretty shocked. Everyone was pretty shocked. Um, clearly tired, dusty. It, it definitely looked like everyone had spent their time in the dirt avoiding bullets. So, um, and uh, early on, I was aware of one casualty who was our company commander, actually. Um, he was the ground force commander for this. So he's, I remember seeing him bleeding from the leg and he's in that center area and the medics are working on him. And, um, and they gave him one of those medicinal lollipops that makes him feel good. And he was making sense for, you know, for about a minute. And then after that, he started to get a little kooky. So the rest of the leadership that took control. One of the calls, in true ranger fashion, uh, everyone is dying of thirst. Just high crawled through the dirt to get in here. Nobody has water. So we're like, hey, it's hot. We should, we should uh, take our, like, get comfortable, take our tops off. So we have security out, and then platoon sergeant is like, "All right, everyone, take your tops off, take your take your shirts off. Just go to undershirts and your kit." So we do that. We take time to get uniformly ununiformed, uh, and uh, so we do that. And then um, the uh, the F the fire support officer FSO who's the FSO and the JTAC who is Air Force. They set up in kind of like this one of the rooms, one of the side rooms. Um, that doesn't have a wall at. maybe it's more like a shed and now they start really getting to work and they're calling all kinds of things and at this point um, I think this the shooting is more sporadic because we're all in the same compound and um, most of what you're hearing is just aircraft aircraft doing work again looking out and seeing the A-10s continue. They're the first ones that I remember seeing and, you know, dropping something, I think, and then doing their shows of force just over and over and over again. And then, um, and then I'm chilling next to, you know, sort of like the radio shack, I guess they kind of set up where they were calling in the air support and I could hear them talking and, uh, somewhere not too far away was another tick troops in contact so we were needing to share assets with whoever else was duking it out that day whoever that was so um so they're doing that and now now we reach a weird point where okay we're strong pointed uh, in this compound there's not too much to do there's there there are a lot of guys who have nothing to do in this moment because because you can only have so many guns pointed out of so many you know areas it's thick mud walls um, we do start to create portholes in some of the walls so i guess we pick up axes i remember briefly manning a porthole um but we're like crazy out of water and you're and at this point you're really starting to feel it like just dying of thirst, like a, a unique level of thirst here. Um, I remember seeing like some 
gourds, like squash, stuff like that. They had like this little area where they had, where whoever the family was had that. And so I remember walking up to one and I was so thirsty. I was like, I was like, well, maybe if I cut this open, there'll be some kind of moisture in there. So I had this very small blade on my kit because I'd gone to this knife fighting school before we left for this deployment. Um, and then I like cut open this, this, this gourd and then it had nothing. It was like bone dry. It, was, it sucked. Um, there's nothing there. So we were feeling it. Um, we were at some point there, like there are moments of where things lighten up. So the, 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 the fire from the enemy had, had, had gone down to be more sporadic at this point. Um, the two donkeys in the middle of the compound started to copulate. I believe that's the right term. Um, and we found that funny. Another moment where we were laughing, it just seemed very odd. They were getting it on right there in the middle of this, this gunfight. We thought that was hilarious. Um, and then it was just sort of waiting it out while the airstrikes were going on. Um, things were quiet for a little while, taking stock, you know, walking around, seeing the different rooms, seeing who was where. Um, and then what we didn't know was during this lull, um, the, the folks who had been gracing us with their, with their, with their fire were starting to work around the valley. And so, <clears throat> so they're, the lull is because they've displaced and they're now coming around. We don't know that. Sometime in this area, midday, like we're dying of thirst, we call in a resupply for water. So um, what ends up coming down the valley is, we call it a casa. It's this white civilian plane. It's unarmed. Um, at the time, I'm pretty sure those were only contractors flying them, but it could have been it could have been U.S. service members. Don't know, but uh, all right, again, I'm hearing like the radio calls going on. They're like, "Hey, please put this thing right in the put it right in the middle of this compound. <laughs> Try we don't we don't care what you break, just put it right in here." And so they're flying the Casas flying low and slow straight down this valley. And we're watching it come in and we can hear the enemy shooting at it. Um, see it come right over us. It's got propellers, two propellers, I think. It comes right over us and see the pallet. It's dropping a pallet and it's like two, three parachutes open and it lands, boom, out in the open, outside of the compound, <laughs> out in the open. And so we're like, dude, that's where the water is. Um, four, I believe it's four, four folks volunteer to run out there to get the water. This is pretty brave. It's like three squad leaders. It's like three squad leaders and like a team leader. They're like, Hey, we'll go get it. So, um, they make a run out there, out into the open and they get to this pallet and the pallet's and the pallet's got the netting over it. Um, you know, it's got plastic. It's got this, that. 
it's busted up it's busted up so it's not it's not as intuitive as how to unwrap this thing i didn't see this personally but i'm, I'm obviously there in the compound to get you know the the, the first hearsay i guess but um they're they're going they're trying to to disentangle it and that's about the time we figure out that our friends are work their way around to the other hillside and they start shooting down at them at the four guys who volunteered to the to go get the pallet my squad leader is one of them they're trying to get the rigging off of the water and they start getting shot at they're in the open and they're making the run to go back and uh, D-ring on my squad leader's kit. I believe it's my squad leader. Gets kit, as best as I can recall. Gets caught up in the webbing of the pallet. So he's like stuck. And like they're trying to untangle him while they're getting shot at. And I did personally see them zoom back in. Zoom back in. and Like brace up against the wall when they got back in. Like it got it got close. It was close before, but I, I think these guys did something special to try to get that water. And they didn't, I don't think they didn't bring back anything meaningful. So, and that's also when we realized that, okay, they're on that hill. And so where, where before we had been all congregated out near the walls, a, a couple folks were inside the rooms, um, the rooms of this compound. Um, but everyone's kind of congregated against the walls and the strong points. Well, now we're, the fire is picking back up, and this this compound is a lot closer to this hill that's over on this side that they've moved to. So now they have a vantage point where they're shooting right in. They can shoot right into the compound, and they do. And so someone from the enemy side gets smart, starts pumping machine gun rounds into the compound where we're all congregated, and now we scatter into the rooms. We can't be out. So now we're all, we're in the compound and we're all forced indoors, except for the strong points. The strong points held, could hold because of the angle. But anybody else in the middle of the compound had to, got pushed, got forced inside. And so, yeah, I remember the moment where the fire came in. Everyone was like, oh shit. And so we scramble in. Everyone scrambles into different random rooms. And I'm in a room. I'm in a room with, um, it's like the prayer room. Like the, I, we believe it to be the prayer room. And we're in there with a bunch of guys. And it's the room closest to one of the strong points, one of the corners of the compound. And we're held up there for a while. Um, now we can't go outside. You, you, you can't step outside or they got the angle on you. They can shoot. They, they have a good angle on the front doors because all the in the compound, all the rooms are in a row and they've got the angle looking right at it. So you can't, you can't even hang out. You can't even step a foot outside because they've got the angle on you. So at this time, I remember maybe it's not then, but so we're held up in this room and there's a decent number of us in there. And now we're just, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. There's some windows there, but we've already got it covered. You know, if you've got a rifle, you're only so useful in this fight right now. So I remember I'm hanging out in that room and uh, my team's in there. My team just so happens to be in there. Um, and uh, one of my guys tells me like, hey, you should, hey, you should try to like rack out. 
you should try to catch some Z's. Like, we can't do anything. You should just try to relax. I was like, I was like, okay. He's like, actually, I got, he's, he's like, actually, I got something. And he takes his kit off, and in the back, he has something called a map, which is just like a backpack that attaches to your kit. And he pulls out a citrus rippet, a small citrus rippet can. He's like, I've been saving this. So I'm like, holy shit. Okay, so he's got this citrus rippet. He's like, you want to share it? I was like, yeah, I'll share that. So he cracks open this citrus rippet, excuse me, takes a sip, passes it to me. I take a sip. The most delicious thing I've ever tasted in my life. Just, it's it's liquid. I'm pretty sure it was warm, but the flavor, like if you're dying of thirst and then someone hands you something with that much sugar in it, I don't, th I don't think it was sugar-free. It was a darker can. So it was the most delicious thing I've ever tasted in my life, the citrus rip it. And him and I share that. And then I just I just lay down and try to relax. I don't know for how long. I don't know if I actually fell asleep. What I, The next memory I have, though, is that um, the fire, the rate of fire picks up. And... Um, I'm hearing, we're calling more things in closer to us. I remember hearing like F-15s. I remember hearing, I remember them talking about wanting to get um, HIMARS, which is a big deal. HIMARS is like, is rocket artillery. It's used for, um, it's used for like conventional, conventional, like you use HIMARS if you want to take out like a tank battalion, right? Like if you want to take out an enemy trench line, if you want to take out, you know, like serious, serious armored and conventional threats. And here we are, the, the situation is dictated that they're considering calling in HIMARS in our general direction. So, so we're obviously aware that people fight that are that are pinning us in here are aware that we're probably going to try to do something at night so they make a big push in the late afternoon to come get us and we have folks along with us who have the capability to listen in to what our our the enemy is saying and they're saying that basically like hey we need to get in there we need to get into that compound we need to make a push for it so the intensity is picking back up again and uh, they're talking about HIMARS. I don't remember HIMARS. We did get B-1 support, the B-1 bomber support. We did get that. I remember it coming in. I remember doing like the thing, you know, you, you like open your mouth, close your eyes or something like that for the overpressure because it was going to come in close enough. Um, so we were calling it closer and closer and they were shooting more and more. They got close enough to where they picked back up with the RPGs. They were coming at the strong point, like I said, in the, in the strong point closest to the room that a lot of us were held up in. And so these RPGs kept slamming into the walls on uh, in and around the outside of this room we're in. And it's, there's a, one of the squad leaders are in there, and it's me. Him and I are looking at each other, and we're like, we need to get out of this room because it's impacting on this room. And also they're making the push for that corner. The guys on the corner are being brave. Um, 
In fact, I believe it was two brothers. My memory serves. We had two brothers who were both serving in our platoon. I think one was a 48 gunner and one was a 46 gunner. And I think they were both on the same corner. It's not supposed to work out that way, but it does. If I had my brother there, I don't think I'd want him anywhere else. So those guys were doing work on that corner, keeping us safe. And uh, they kept pushing up, pushing against that, the enemy with RPGs. And so the squalor and I look at each other like, we got to get out of this room. So we're in this anteroom and then we come up with this plan. The plan is, okay, we need to get out of this room, but we need to be organized about it. And we can't all crowd the same room because we're in the biggest room. Everything else is smaller. So the plan is whoever goes first has to run the furthest. <laughs> has to run. Again, the rooms are all in a line. So whoever comes out of this room first has to sprint down all the way down to the first room. And then everyone else needs to pile out and then tuck in to the next room behind them is basically what the plan is. I'm like, okay, I'll go first. I'll run the farthest. So me and then me and one other guy, we're going to run the furthest and then cut in. And so RPGs are picking up, they're hitting that, hitting that room. And so we're like, all right, here we go. And we call out, we're like, Hey, Hey, we're about to make a break out of this room there. And then guys in the other rooms are like, what? So, so the squad leader goes, okay, go. So I go out first, hang a right. I'm just straight down passing maybe six six other rooms until i get to the seventh all the way down at the towards the other strong point and i go in and um and of course the volume of fire picks back up and rounds are like inside the compound and the guys in the other rooms are yelling at us like what are you doing get it back inside like they they don't know they didn't know so uh everyone redistributes out of that room out of that one room or most of them as near as i can tell and um, now I'm in a room and it's me, it's an FO, it's one of the FOs and like one other guy, one other guy. And we're in the furthest room and now it's getting later at night. And um, before it gets dark, I remember they called in Apaches. So we're getting a lot of assets. Like this is, this is a pretty big deal. We're completely surrounded. Um, they've got every tactical advantage on us. We got ourselves in a real good position here. Um, the Apaches call in that they're going to, or rather I hear that the Apaches, I don't know if the Apaches decide to or we ask them to, but either way, they're brave for doing this. The Apaches decided that they were going to fly low and slow down the valley to figure out exactly where these people were that were shooting at us. And they did. So these Apaches are coming down low and slow, just down the valley, watching a pack, couple of Apaches do this. Um, and then presumably they go to work. I don't remember exactly the specifics after that. So I'm in this room now and it's like starting to get twilight, starting to get dark again and completely trapped inside. We even had to evacuate a room inside the compound that we're in. It's me and the and the FO, I won't say his name, but he wasn't feeling very good about the situation. He was like, and he's a good guy, and I got nothing bad to say about him, but he wasn't taking the situation that we were in very well. And uh, he was saying, like, 
was saying like, dude, we're going to die in here. And I was like, we're not going to die in here. It's going to be all right. Um, he wasn't taking it well. He was, he was still doing his job, but he was like, this is not good. He was of the opinion that this was not a good situation. And I knew we weren't in a good, good situation either, but I, I don't mentally, I had not, I wasn't, I was not at the point where I was willing to sort of say like, okay, this is definitely happening. And, uh, we kept hearing the chatter that they wanted to bum rush the compound, um, towards at twilight when they could still see. So we were expecting it. And now I'm on, and now I'm on, and now I'm all the way across the compound in the room next to the other strong point. So it's like, well, shit. So if they do bum rush and they get in, they're going to like, this is one of the first rooms they're going to come in. They're going to be pretty motivated. So I remember taking out a hand grenade. This is crazy, man. This is a crazy thing to have to think. So I remember taking out a hand. I had one hand grenade. I didn't like grenades, but I carried one because I had to. I took it out and I set it down next to me. And I remember we had a special way that we taped it up. So I remember unspooling the tape. So it was like extra ready. The pin was still in. The pin doesn't just fall out, by the way. So it was still very safe. But I unspooled the tape that we had rigged on it. And I set it right next to me. And then I pretty much made the plan. I was like, all right. So if they get in here, it's like all my rifle ammunition. And then it's grenade time for all of us. that's how that's that's kind of the headspace we were in there um you know kind of before this before we all kind of got shut in uh into the rooms i remember kind of walking around because again there's nothing to do my m4 isn't going to be helpful at the strong point so i can't get water i can't do this or that there's nothing to do so i remember walking around i remember coming up to one room and looking in there's some guys in there i remember seeing the faces on some of the guys and they were like pretty scared you know these are the same guys that i see you know raiding raiding every night being badasses and this was a tough situation for all of us some folks and some guys who had been in some pretty serious stuff before too some big things before and uh, it was humbling to see folks that I look up to humbled and so I the the gravity of the situation was was clear so so anyways so it's getting dark we know that we want the birds to come in because of all the fire you know and because we were so distributed the plan didn't make its way around as 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 I as well as it could have been, um, so you know s- some of us were kind of left sitting wondering what the hell was going on. Um, it finally did get dark, and then and then the fire had the fire had lifted. It wasn't really even sporadic now, and so and then word got around that hey we're going to be leaving. The birds are going to come in and pick us up. We're like great, so. So we're like, okay, we might survive this thing. So it's dark for an hour or two. And then they're like, all right, please up everything. Get ready. 
form up and and we like we like get in two lines it's like almost like you're gonna load a bird at the at the fob before you leave so all day we'd been shut out of the most of the day we've been shut out of standing outside in the compound now it's dark no one's shooting at us anymore and now we're right back to all right get in a line hey get get over here get in a line let me count you off so we're counting each other <laughs> counting each other off to get on the bird um and uh then they come for us they come get us the 160th they come and fly they land in that open area round about where that uh where that pallet was so they come in they land see them come and land we walk out walk out no one shoots at us while we're walking out that i know or i was very focused on getting on that bird pile into the birds ramp comes up they come up as we're as we're lifting off the gunners go to town the mini the the, the gunners on the birds go to town with their mini guns so um afterwards i heard that they were shooting at us that potentially even rpgs they were trying to get us it would make sense they seem like relatively sophisticated folks who were shooting at us um i didn't see it i was just in the bird and i was just and i i, I was aware that we weren't safe yet flying out of the valley um also i was aware because the the the, the guys on the miniguns were going to town they were like going nuts firing and i don't know maybe that's preemptive i don't know so but eventually they stopped shooting and then we were just flying along and i was like okay i guess i'm sort of safe i'm still in this bird that i'm scared of now but we're sort of safe to the to the air crew's credit so i guess they knew that we had been out there a long time without water or food so um they passed there were a couple like regular size gatorade bottles that had come around and i remember everyone getting to take a sip and then pass it around and then this is like a really odd thing but the the, the air crew they knew we were hungry too, but they passed out these small individual packets of powdered donuts. And it was just like, <laughs> your mouth is completely dry. You only got like one, one gulp of Gatorade and then they gave us powdered donuts. I, I couldn't even eat it. Like my mouth was so dry already. I couldn't eat these powdered donuts. Again, thank, thank you for thinking of us and for doing that. But literally almost anything else would have been better than powdered donuts. And so... So we're safe and we're on the bird and we're flying out of there. And um, that entire time, the only casualty was, well, aside from the broken legs and ankles earlier on in the mission, um, just the one, I don't know if it was gunshot or if it was RPG shrapnel, the company commander got it. So leading from the front, um, that was it. Everyone else was, was okay. Or, or let me say it, they weren't shot. No one else got shot. No one died. So we land. By the time we land, the sun's coming back up and we're getting off the bird. And um, we were co-located with another platoon from our company. I remember we were getting off. I remember seeing the looks on their faces, seeing us come off. And now we know we're alive and we know no one got, no one got seriously hurt. The CO is going to be fine, you know. Um, and so I just remember the looks on their faces was like a combination of concern and envy, you know, um, 
and I know what they felt because it, later on and in other situations, I'd feel the same thing. You know, when one of your sister platoons goes out and gets into something and you're like, damn, I would have liked to have gotten into something. Um, and they helped us out and we got all, and we settled in. Thankfully we didn't need to go out on a mission the next day. Uh, that was a good shower. First one afterwards. Um, I never learned anything significant about who we fought, who the hell we caught, you know, how, you know, where were, it would have been there. There are some assets that were missing from the equation. I think that could have stabilized things. Like where were those things? What was going on? Who is that other, who is that other, um, unit in a tick as well don't know any of that i just know that we all survived and uh that was just the very beginning of the deployment so um i guess the last thing i'll say as i'm wrapping this up is i was i don't know that i was quite engaged i had a girl we'll say girlfriend fiance a significant other we'll say that had a significant other uh, who I who I would go on to marry, um, but I remember getting cleaned up, sleeping, eating, hydrating, and uh, oh well. One quick story before even before that is that so I'm walking around after I take my kid off, put all our stuff in the ready room, and then um, people were like, they were like, "Hey, did you get shot?" Because they they're seeing where that sling had cut through, and I was bleeding a little bit on my shoulder they're like hey did you get shot dude and they were like and i was like and for a split second i was like oh dude this is easy this is i could just say i did this is easy purple heart free license plates for life dude and, but i was like nah it was just my sling it was just my sling and so um i resisted temptation to to inflate injuries there um but going back to what I was saying before, last thing is, so I finally get on the phone. And back then, you know, we had cell phones, but well, we weren't allowed to even take them overseas. So you can only call from a landline there. So I get on the phone with my significant other. And um, and uh, she's like, hey, haven't talked to you in a little while. How are things going? I'm like, I can't say anything. I'm not allowed to. I'm like, I'm okay. We've been very busy we've been very busy lately and that's like the same code word that every couple since the beginning of time has used to say like we were getting into it you know oh i'm busy are you busy at work yeah yeah it's been busy right so code cracked um but and she was like okay because let me she was like so let me tell you about this dream i had i was like okay she's like the other night i had this dream where you where you were you were running through this field and there were all these fireworks going off all around you and i was like oh that's interesting i was like that's very interesting i don't know anything yeah that's strange and i was just like you know could that dream have just been she hadn't heard from me for a couple of days and that's like probably pretty easily attributable to combat in general maybe but the timing seems odd I just thought that was interesting. And that's it. That's that mission. So this will probably be the most long-winded 
See, that's why we need Steve here to keep me from rambling. So, um, and that was that mission. And there would be more. I'll talk about more smaller, um, other in other things that went on. But that's the one, just from a sequence of sequence of events that was that was very interesting. And as a platoon, we always referenced and remembered that mission. And um, thought I'd share it with you all. So, thanks for listening. We'll catch you in the next one. Take it easy. Bye.